0: The warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen to empower your children. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, I'm Rob. I've worked
1: in Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 in village schools and in Milton
2: Keynes. And I'm Nicola, and I've taught Key Stage 2 from Year 3 all the way to Year 6 for quite a few years now, and I've also taught at university, inspiring future teachers to do the best they can in education.
0: And today we are exploring English learning outcomes with our original story, Exploring the Water Cycle. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk for Drip, Drop, Plop. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as a paperback illustrated by Corky Paul's cracking protégé, Mario Coelho, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Rob, Nicola, Drip, Drop and Plop as we start pulling out some of the English learning outcomes from this story. So we'll start at the lower end of the primary range, the ages four to seven. Rob's nodding away, which I'm guessing is because he's bursting with ideas. <laughs> what's the What's the first you have for us, Rob?
1: The first idea that I'm going to leak forwards is <laughs> a story map. And that kind of links to the idea of the fact that this story definitely goes on a journey like we were saying in our PSHE journey Mm. and we can map where each of the droplets goes so it would be a great opportunity to get your children to think about recalling a story and thinking about the the language that they need to tell a story by first of all drawing down the key points that they need from it and then Mm. allowing them to retell the story in their own words you could then challenge them and say can you tell the story in a minute and a half or about 90 seconds <laughs> and then could you tell it in a more detailed way as well
0: yeah yeah i mean it's it's quite a challenging one to story map isn't it because it's effectively three completely different journeys um, told one after the other so how do you let that story map look would it be sort of just three maps one after the other or would it be like a flux capacitor or or what?
1: I think I would probably take one branch of the story or one uh, tributary (laughs) each week and then uh, map that and then join them all together to do it on a big piece of sugar paper and then say mm. oh look here they go they're all reforming back into one channel
0: yeah yeah i do like the um shortening it and lengthening it idea because that's a really good way of making sure that it gets solidified in their minds isn't it yeah and then by doing that they're also proving to themselves that they can use their own words to tell the story so it's often the the way i'll do it when i'm running storytelling workshops as well i'll challenge everyone to try and make it as short as possible so that they've not only got it inside their heads but they know that they can use their own language to tell the story they don't have to follow the text or or copy me or copy you and then yeah you can let them lengthen that story out and use their own words even more
1: yeah, which is, and I, I got the idea from you because you've done that in Iraq. Oh, did you? So. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> that
0: was me just thinking that great minds think alike, but uh, great minds obviously also steal.
1: Yes. <laughs> magpie
0: not steel magpie, yeah.
1: <laughs> i came up with another idea as well which is kind of more to do with like word level and potentially poetry as well and that mm-hmm. was to do with onomatopoeia Ooh. which is something that you start to explore in key stage one probably not uh, in reception but it's about the way that words sound and there are lots of words that have great sounds mm-hmm. in this story so i would get my Children to listen to the story and then identify the onomatopoeic words, and then use that as a basis to think of more onomatopoeic words that we know or have come across, and then do some writing based on that as well.
0: Yeah, I used to love onomatopoeia when I was in school. I mean, just just the word itself sounds (laughs) so enticing, doesn't it? (laughs) Did you have any particularly favourite examples? Splumash,
1: That was one. Flump. I think they flumped at some point, didn't they? Done sewer. Yep. Yeah, all kinds. <laughs> I and mean, even their names, drip, drop, and plop. Uh, on a mass aspect
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, it's a great example of how language kind of comes into being because a lot of language, I think we've spoken before, if you take children on a, a sort of walk and just get them thinking of the sort of sounds that they are making as they feel things under their feet or under their hands as they're making sounds like and, Ooh, yeah, yeah. you know, you start to hear how that transforms into words like gloop and yerk and you know just a lot of words that are created from our natural responses to things and maybe let them have a go at practicing their phonics and their is it graphemes yeah practicing yeah. the taking the sounds that they know putting them into letters and creating their own words <laughs>
1: part of their year one curriculum is the phonics check which includes alien words as well which it sounds completely alien to adults and Key Stage 2 teachers, but they mm. want you to learn unreal words. Yeah. To look at how they're built and the structure that they use. So, yeah, that would be a great example of being able to create your own ones rather than just relying on ones that are already there.
0: Absolutely. Well, then let's follow the tributaries up into ages 7 to 11. <laughs> yeah, you've snuck that word into the podcast and it's not leaving for the next two weeks. And Nicola, what do you have for us for that age range?
2: I have so many ideas. I'm going to try to condense them. Yeah, Rob's idea of the note-taking, I think, is important anyway for older children as well, just to follow the story. Um, and- oh, I've,
0: I'm sorry. I've just got the condense joke.
2: Yeah, condensation. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't quite got evaporation in there yet, but... Um, So you could try
0: (laughs) filtering them as well
2: could try filtering that's a great idea um yeah i think a story map's important anyway i think if we if you're taking the story and using it on a different journey children will still need to see a story map because there's quite a lot of different Mm. things that happen ideas that i had i've done this before actually with um 10 11 year olds where they wrote as if they were one of the water droplets and they went through the water cycle so we actually have done this but obviously your story had so much more but it was it was written from a first person perspective so the way they spoke perhaps was faster if they were a gas and it slowed down if they were a solid I remember them
0: Brilliant idea.
2: Flying from the air, going down as rain and going wee and sort of, uh, the children absolutely loved it. And we collect evidence at the end of each year for some of our best pieces of writing Mm. to sort of show where the children are at in in standard standards. And some of the children definitely use that work, even though it wasn't meant to be a really enriched writing activity. It was more linked to, I think it was the geography we were doing, but Mm. it, it became incredible and they absolutely loved it and there were children that aren't particularly very confident at writing that that really embraced it so you could take one of the characters i wouldn't say all three but take one of them and mm. rewrite the story of what happened from their perspective and thinking about the voices that come through.
0: I love the idea of having them go faster when they're aghast or, or yeah. using... So so I guess that would be um, shorter words, monosyllabic.
2: Definitely. And then you could use capitals to, to show it slowing down and spread out those capitals. Yeah. And if they then acted it out, say they acted it out, or they, they could actually then use that within drama as well, which would be really good. Yeah.
0: God, I wish we'd had this discussion before I wrote the story. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fancy.
2: Fantastic yeah. idea. So the, I say the children love that type of writing. It was really memorable. Mm. I feel quite lucky this week because like you said, last week was less of my experience. So I had to really think about it a bit more. This one it seems fairly straightforward because it's very naturally to be done with older children. So mm. it fits in brilliantly. Poetry, we've mentioned I write poetry and I often use that to inspire children. And this is about the journey of life. And I think that mm. can be an inspiration. Another idea I had was I mean, I don't know if it's postcards now because children don't write postcards. So it might be writing an email, but writing postcards from the different places that the raindrops have gone to. So they write home about their experiences and where they're at and how they're missing home, but they're having a great time. The sort of thing they'd do if they went on a residential, like we mentioned in the last podcast, but writing different postcards, maybe six well, depending on how many places they've been to, but writing six postcards home yeah. and thinking how they're feeling in those situations and if they're feeling warm or if they're feeling cold, if they're feeling lonely, if they're excited to see their family again because hopefully they'll see them soon, you know, all of that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, And and postcards are one of those uh, forms of writing that really should come back because as people travel around, even if they're traveling around their own country, it's so lovely to receive a postcard.
2: Definitely. I mean, you go abroad and you still see them everywhere. And yes, actually, I, if yeah. I use postcards, cards in school, which I do sometimes for different learning. For example, if you're doing RE and you're going on Hajj, you'd write postcards home. Children still get it. It's still a a thing. Mm.
0: And it forces you to really think carefully about the words that you're going to use because you don't have much space. Uh, So you've really got to think about the points that you're going to make. And of course, you can combine it with an art activity by creating the picture that goes on the other side yeah
2: definitely and it helps those children like you say that are slightly less confident writing because the pressure isn't on them to write loads it's it Mm. is just about the few words that they are writing i mean on another note that came up on the last podcast when we were talking the idea of the social media if they had a social media account and they posted every now Mm. and then some writing about where they're at instead of the postcard that's another one that might be more relevant perhaps in the future i still think postcards work today Mm.
1: you could kind of limit that because twitter has a is it 140 character Ah.
0: limit Uh, so i think is it 140 or is it 200 i think it's 280 now i think uh, 140 is what it used to be yeah yeah
1: but you could you could definitely say okay in the same way that can you tell a story in a minute and a half can you mm. get all of your ideas across in? Uh, you don't have to stick to one hundred and forty or two hundred and eighty. You can say two hundred.
0: Yeah, but 100, or a hundred words or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
2: Or they could make a podcast of their travels, and record it. <laughs> Excellent the idea. Recording. So again, the children that struggle with writing, why not record it verbally? And then they could use the voice idea that we had before in this as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's
2: freezing in this, wherever I am. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs>
0: Which is so so ironic to say in the weather that we've got at the moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing you getting steadily pinker. In
2: I mean, children in school, they've all mostly got PowerPoints and things like that. They could use that mm. to put the picture and the, um, the writing on. And they love that way of working as well.
0: Yeah. Well, that is brilliant. Thanks, folks. We are swimming in English objectives now.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's sadly all we have time for in this episode, folks. If you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast, or if there's a subject you're soon to teach that you'd like us to cover, you can find us on social media using at teach happily, or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Drip, Drop and Plop will help us teach maths. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio
2: Cheerio. and we We hope hope to to hear hear your story soon. soon.